Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hey, hello and welcome back. This is Chris Marquardt. We are here for another episode of Curiously Polar, the podcast about all things very north and very south. And of course, I have Mario with me. Mario, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Chris. Thank you. you. You're still in Iceland? I'm still in Iceland and uh, it's uh, it's a place where, uh, like, uh, of course, I can see the sun during the day, which is changing from Tromsø because it's farther south. So we're recording and, this uh, early early December 2017. Um, yeah. So early December, yeah. What 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 do the days look like? It, I, I, I suppose well, very, it's very dark, very right? gray. <laughs> it's it's very gray because it's kind of um, cloudy most of the time. But uh, sure. there are some days where there are the sunshine and uh, the so daylight. How much fine. daylight do you get at this time of year? Uh, daylight uh, is from around ten o'clock until maybe three o'clock. Well, it's not too bad. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, Iceland is uh, on the GMT time zone. Um, so it's uh, the same uh, sun uh, hour as uh, the the solar noon is at uh, the same as in the UK, uh, but uh, it is uh, the island is actually further west, so it should be it should be one on actually. Okay, um, we had a short interruption. <laughs> really, <laughs> I think I think the Icelandic weather is playing tricks with the internet there. So let's yeah. let's see. Apologies if it uh, drops out every now and then, but uh, yeah, that's just the way it is right now. So um, where were we? Well, we're at the point where Iceland is actually on a time zone that is uh, it should be on a different time zone than what it is. It, uh, it is be, right. I'm, it should be uh, it should be minus one, so it should be further towards the um, towards the uh, the west. Yes, but um, but somehow it's uh, it's on GMT. It's on uh, universal time, which is so one hour from Germany. The UK is also one hour from Germany, but uh, yeah, by the other way, quite a bit yeah. further to the west. Yeah, it's kind of a peculiar place because uh, they are using this hour uh, like uh, in in Greenwich Mean Time. So that's the the same hour that you have. Uh, the solar noon is at the same time uh, when when the solar noon is in Greenwich. Then here they say it's noon as well, and it's uh, it's kind of at least one hour afterwards. So when I was saying that the the hours of daylight is between or oh, the sun is coming up at eleven. And setting at three, it sounds, it's it's kind of skewed with respect to what we would think. Twelve is not when the sun is highest <laughs> at twelve <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so we have been talking about the Arctic a lot, about the northern hemisphere, um, but I think we hinted at at it last time that, of course, uh, that, well, everyone knows there's another pole. It's the South Pole. And there were also uh, some, well, some efforts to get there over over history. So, is there anything that uh, we we can we can dive into on that side of the globe? Of course, of course. And this is uh, this is also very interesting because uh, it's um, well, the South Pole. It's now it's the it's the summer season. It's getting to be the good season down in uh, down south. It's spring actually, and um, in a few weeks it's going to be summer. Uh, by the time you hear this uh, 
this episode is practically going to be summer um and um and it's uh, it's a very special place and a place that is uh, a, a must for everybody that uh, anybody that loves the the poles but i'm not thinking about uh, directly going to the south pole but uh, because this is something that very few people get to do uh, in their lives. I've never been so lucky yet to go to the South Pole, but Antarctica in general is a fantastic place, and I've been there a couple of times, and I can strongly recommend it. Okay, yeah, so and, uh, when when were the first kind of efforts to go there? Well, um, it it has been it has been a a place that I, it has been a little offhand. So we are not um, we uh, the the exploration of Antarctica and the discovery of Antarctica has happened later than the exploration of the Arctic. Well, maybe um, maybe we should first kind of set the scene. What is Antarctica like at all? Because I have myself not been there yet. So um, can you can you describe it? Antarctica. Well, in one word, it's grand. It's uh, it's amazing. Um, the glaciers are huge the mountains are high and uh, the the things that you see are are actually quite different than from the north but they are um they they are just bigger and uh, and there is uh, this absence of makes it uh, makes it totally weird there, there are no polar bears and there are very few people um, and there have been very few people uh, in on Antarctica, so uh, so it is it is a radically different uh, feeling that you get when you are there. Oh, really? That much different? I thought it was kind of rocky, cold, icy, and that would that would be somewhat uh, similar. Yeah, well, you have ice and snow and uh, and rocks, but um, but it has a totally yeah. I I I. F feel different when I'm when I'm down in Antarctica mm -hmm. and it's um, also maybe because to get there you have to pass through um, the uh, right of uh, crossing for example the Drake Passage if you're coming from South America or crossing over from uh, from New Zealand or or uh, or um, like um, well Australia New Zealand is closer of course and uh, and it's a long sea journey before you get there. There are, of course, also flights. Uh, they are much more expensive. And uh, and you don't have, if you're not a scientist, you don't really have the facilities for housing. So it's better to go with a ship where you have your own cabin, I would say. And, and there you have to pass the uh, some of the stormiest places on Earth. The, the thing I also, I, I think, would probably find interesting is to get there from the Northern Hemisphere, you first have to go through a trop to tr through, through, through the equator, through tropical uh, climate. So you kind of go into the heat first to then go back into the ice. Um, yes. Sounds, yes. Sounds, sounds interesting from a, it from is, a it is packing very interesting. point of view, it, from, a, from a luggage point of view. It's a journey, and of course, you don't need to take the ships uh, all the way from Europe down to Antarctica. The uh, many cruise operators uh, have this uh, Atlantic Odyssey, they call it. So, going from Europe down south, or the other way around, if you want to take it the other way around from south to north. But um, but even the fact that you have to take a plane over 
to uh, Brazil or Argentina and then uh, and then change over and go right. down to Ushuaia and then you have to embark on your on your ship and then you have like a couple of days of crossing of the Drake uh, which can be very uh, mild or can be extremely extremely uh, rough uh, a weather of course you're passing close to Cape Horn which is famed for uh, the uh, storms and the heavy seas and um, so it's uh, it's it's a journey. It's not like uh, you take uh, the trip, you take the plane to Oslo and then to Svalbard to Longyearbyen, and then you're there. <laughs> and which in itself you are is in the Arctic. Which in itself takes a couple of changes, a couple of layovers, and yeah, it does. Yeah, so so it does. I mean, you mean it's a bit it's more complicated different. to get there. It's different. You get a different feeling, and uh, so it's not that uh, you have to choose between the two. I think that uh, anybody that loves the the poles should go to both <laughs> to both uh, to should experience both uh, the the north and the south uh, that's that's for sure but um well so the uh, the exploration you asked right and, when uh, when yeah. when did they start and how did that all come along well the exploration the first uh, record that we have uh, of uh, somebody the for sure having seen Antarctica is from uh, an expedition by a Russian expedition that was um, that is uh, was um, captained by uh, um, an admiral called Bellingshausen and uh, his mate Lazarev and it was in 1820 so in the oh, early, okay. yeah in the early 19th century and it's uh, it's it's an expedition of course that we 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 have records of that expedition and we have records that they saw the continent. They saw that there was land and it was not just ice because Antarctica is a continent. There is land. Uh, the Arctic is an ocean. Uh, around the North Pole, there is an ocean. There is no land. The land is is all around the, Antar the Arctic Ocean. While Antarctica has this continent, which we had a few... Uh, mentions about in an earlier episode and then there is this uh, sea that is uninterrupted uh, east-west that goes around and uh, on the continent and you have the the uh, what's it called the roaring 40s and the howling 60s which are the latitudes where there is no barrier to the wind from the west to the east and uh, and the sea is uh, is very rough as i said and somehow, probably there have been, there, there might have been some some sealers or, or uh, that or other people that were they would be looking for for uh, for gain in uh, in hunting marine mammals, especially especially seals. Maybe earlier even than Bellinghausen, but uh, we don't have any record of that. the The first sealer that we have. Uh, uh, a record of and where he describes that he went on land in Antarctica is by a captain called Davis, the same guy as the Davis Strait in uh, between Greenland and Canada, and that was in 1821, so the year after Bellinghausen and Lazarev. And um, yeah, and then uh, and then from there, I mean, it's we have uh, a little uh, like at the in the early 1800s, then we have. Uh, uh, a Captain Wilkes that uh, sails around Antarctica, so actually finds out that it is uh, a continent. <laughs> there is uh, 
that there is uh, like uh, no land bridge to any other continent further north. And, uh, and that was in 1939-1940. In the same years, we have uh, a name that is uh, that is very famous uh, among the polar lovers, and it's uh, uh, James Clark Ross. And uh, he's a British explorer, and uh, he tries in between 1839 and 1843, he has an expedition where he tries to check if it is at all possible to reach the South Pole by sail or by ship, and he comes back and uh, uh, with the with the news that uh, it's absolutely not possible to get in there by by ship, so that there is a continent that goes all the way to the uh, to the South Pole proper. So it's a continent, but it's uh, pretty much covered in ice, right? Yeah, well, the you're perfectly right. The um, Antarctica is a continent that is totally covered with ice, and the ice uh, gets very thick. I mean, you have up to 2,700 meters of thickness of ice on That's top of the pole, for example. That is so really it's, a lot. it's like it's a little bit like Greenland, but just huge compared. Yeah, but but Green, Greenland does have have some stretches that are not uh, under ice. Yeah, there are there are a few rocks that are not under ice under the ice in, in Antarctica, but there are very few mm. places, and it's just very very isolated uh, small places, and they are mostly in the um, uh, located in the Antarctic Peninsula, which is this uh, this uh, coma of land that comes up from the Antarctic continent which over is, to South America, which is which is the the pretty much where 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 the where the Antarctic is closest to the rest of the world, and this is uh, yes towards the southern tip of Argentina. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the uh, the Antarctic Peninsula reaches as far north uh, as Antarctica gets to to uh, to getting far north. <laughs> yes, yeah, and um, well, there. And these are these expeditions in the up to the mid uh, kind of defining what Antarctica looks like. There are a few, uh, uh, well, a few descriptions of uh, what uh, the continent looks like, but it, they don't they don't stay very long. I mean, of course, uh, James Clark Ross has his expedition that starts in 1839 and ends in 1843, and it's. Uh, it's a long expedition, but it you have to also take into consideration that you have to get all the way from Europe, uh, from the UK here, from Britain, down to far south, and and then come back again. So we only probably spent uh, um, a year or so over to uh, in Antarctica. So they were, they were gone for four years, yes. and did, did probably not have a lot of communications with back home. No. If, if, <laughs> no, if any at all. <laughs> no, if we're not back by five years, that's yeah. uh, just uh, send uh, send somebody to, to look for us. <laughs> that was also what Nansen was was saying when uh, when he put the, the polar the polar drift with the with the Fram uh, that we talked about last episode. So uh, it's um, it's an interesting kind of expedition. Unfortunately, we don't have this sort of problems nowadays. We have the possibility of being online practically all the time. Albeit with a uh, <laughs> with a little bit of expensive uh, equipment, and uh, That's true. it's the the megabytes are expensive, but uh, we can always do this, and we can always call home through the satellite telephone. But um, yeah, this is uh, up to now. People have been sailing there, and then um, like uh, the first um, 
expedition worth uh, um, mentioning that uh, that tries to uh, to reach the South Pole, so that lands on the continent and uh, then tries to reach as far south as possible, is uh, is an expedition by uh, Robert Falcon Scott, and um, it's called the Discovery Expedition uh, from the name of the ship, and it's uh, in they are they left in 1901 and they come back in 1904, and this is interesting because um, I think that a lot of people associate Scott with the uh, uh, with the uh, reaching the South Pole and and dying on the way back and uh, being second by just under a month uh, um, with uh, from I mean with difference uh, between him and, and Amundsen that arrives there uh, on the 14th of December and he gets uh, well it's just over a month it's in on the 17th of January the Scott reaches the South Pole as well but Scott actually has been in the on the South Pole before he has several expeditions and this is the first expedition and this is an expedition where he also has Shackleton also famous for mm-hmm. later for the expedition where he uh, like he, he didn't manage to to do other things than than uh, than breaking the ship and uh, and uh, and uh, being blocked on the ice and coming back but we talk about this in a second um, and um, uh, so S- S- Scott Shackleton and a guy called Wilson as well, they uh, they try to reach as far south as possible, and they reach these eighty two sixteen eighty two degrees sixteen minutes uh, south, and that's on the thirty fir- first of December nineteen o two. And uh, and the the problem with with Antarctica is that the inside of Antarctica is huge and it's extremely cold and uh, it's uh, it's a very difficult territory to to move on so when they did this as far as i know they didn't put any depots so they started from the shore and uh, they uh, where well, they were set on land and then they went up uh, uh, with uh, with their own provisions taking their own provisions up all the way to 82 degrees uh, and, south and, and it's not just a nice surface it is very difficult to navigate no. i would think exactly and then there are uh, there are uh, mountain chains and um, it's it's not it's not the same if you go from one side for one of the like from in one direction from for example from Weddell Sea uh, to to the south pole or to, from the from the Ross Sea over to the right. south pole and uh and this is uh, this is interesting uh, because these guys they go uh, they uh, they go down there and uh, and in 1909 um, Shackleton uh, is leading an expedition called the Nimrod expedition and uh, and this is also from the name of the ship all these expeditions uh, all named after ships often named after ships uh, and uh, and Shackleton this time he uh, manages to go much further south so it's 88 degrees and 23 Ooh, south almost so it's only a, it's only 150 kilometers from the pole but of course you have to when when you get there it's not that you're saying well it's 150 kilometers i'm not i'm not going any further you, you also have to think about going back and especially if you want to tell people that you have been <laughs> reaching that would be reaching helpful, as far yes. south and of course moving from from 82 degrees south to 88 degrees south is quite a lot 
and um, and it's also paving the way for the future expeditions because then he could uh, come back and describe his uh, his uh, his way of doing it uh, and uh, and the route that he took. But the real big milestone is 1911. In 1911, on December 14th, 1911, Amundsen, uh, Norwegian explorer, with uh, his uh, with his uh, mates, uh, Bjorlan, Wisting, and Hassel, so because there were four of them, he's not just uh, Amundsen, they reach the pole. And uh, they are proof of this. Uh, they, uh, they, make, uh, they make good observations, so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty sure. I mean, it's definitely sure that they reached the pole and they were the first ones getting there. And Amundsen manages to do this in a, in a strange way. Uh, well, first of all, <clears throat> he um, he uh, is extremely well prepared, and um, I mean in the he's, preparation. He's, he's been exploring in the north. He's been he's, he's been, been quite driven. He, he, so I think he he had well, quite some well, experience from the north. Yeah, and and not only, but he also has experiences from the south because um, he begins practically begins his career as a first mate on the uh, on the um, on a on the Belgica. Oh, um, I see. a Belgian expedition ship, and uh, and so he has um, he has a um, experience from exploration of the south, uh, but not on land. But um, uh, in the years up to this expedition, Amundsen uh, convinces Nansen and the Norwegian government to allow him to borrow the Fram, the ship that has been doing mm. the polar traverse, and. Uh, his uh, his goal, uh, his stated goal, is to reach the North Pole, and uh, he prepares uh, the expedition by uh, selecting, of course, his crew and selecting also the means of transport to the North Pole, which is uh, Greenland sleigh dogs. So he is planning or doing a sleigh dog expedition to the North Pole, and and this is a stated um, the stated uh, goal of the expedition. And when I'm saying this, is that because he leaves as the news that the, the North Pole has already been taken. And uh, we have been talking about the North Pole in the previous episode. Right. So we have the news, especially gets the news that Perry has reached the North Pole. And, uh, and that is a big problem, of course, for him. Because the first one, getting to the North Pole, that's something. But the second one... No one talks second, about the, the second, second team. One. Nobody talks about the second Never. one. And there is no, there is no uh, fame in that. So as he's sailing out, and some people also say that he might have known before, he might have made up his mind also before he left, but as he's sailing out on this expedition that is financed by the Norwegian government, and not only, but also the Royal Geographical Society in, in, the, in Great Britain, has also partially financed this expedition to the North Pole. He decides to uh, hijack the ship and sail south, <laughs> and uh, and he practically tells uh, his crew as they were reaching in the mid Atlantic. I think they stopped in Madeira or something. He tells like, if anybody wants to jump ship, it's now. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going south. And and then he communicates that he's going south when he reaches Argentina. I guess if I remember correctly, and. Uh, and and he so he goes south, but he is totally prepared, and he has this ship that is extremely sturdy and seaworthy. 
horrible to sail in high seas from uh, what we he- what we hear from the diaries of the people that were on board because it's kind of round uh, underneath and oh, so it wasn't, so wasn't that stable. Like a, it was not very stable. It's a relatively small ship compared to ships that would sail this uh, long long stretch and he gets into Anta- to antarctica uh, he docks the ships the ship by uh, the ice edge and he builds a camp that he calls framheim so the home of the fram the home by fram he, he builds this camp with uh, a cabin and uh, like all the dogs have to be after all this uh, this trip i mean the dogs have to be trained up again and they have to be acclimatized and everybody has to be ready to to go but of course they get there at the end of the summer they need to spend the winter and then start early in the in the spring and then he wants to put out depots so he's not uh, he calculates the route by uh, of course uh, you need to have the direction and the distances to travel that's not too difficult the uh, problem is putting out depots so that you have enough food for the way onward and for the way backwards and uh, so he puts out these uh, these depots um with his uh, with his crew so it's many trips back and forth oh so, so, so it's not inland. just it's not just dropping stuff on the way there but it's going there going back going there going back and, yeah and kind of building that that and infrastructure building- building the infrastructure all by himself oh, wow. on the same okay. expedition. And then also, of course, you have to make sure that you find the depot. So he puts a depot, and then he puts uh, some uh, markings uh, east-west on the side of each depot, so that if you don't really hit the depots, he didn't have a GPS at that time, so you would have to rely on trying to find that little depot that you put, and probably the wind would have swept away, and the and the snowfall would have swept away your your tracks. So you'd have to find exactly the place where you had your cache of food and and provisions. Oh, so he he put so additional he, markers on. He along put additional markers on the side of each depot, uh, east west, and then and then he, he finally manages to reach the South Pole. Uh, also, as they are approaching, he spreads out his men so that they go each a little bit on the side of each other, so that uh, one of them might be, uh, so they they can uh, they can uh, check that uh, the pole is really in between the all of them, and then when he finds a spot that is reasonably close to the to the south pole, because of course they are making a, a uh, uh, the calculations by uh, by sextant. And uh, then when they find this place, they have this famous picture where they have a tent and the four men stand by the tent with a Norwegian flag. And uh, this is a picture, famous picture from Polheim, so the polar house uh, that uh, they uh, they establish on the, the camp that they establish on the South Pole. So politically, the South Pole is then under Norwegian rule? Yeah. And this is, uh, let's say that... Uh, the Norwegians conquer the South Pole, and uh, but uh, it's not that they that they claim sovereignty over the whole thing. They're just saying, like now we got there first, and they plant their flag. They leave their their tent, a message for Scott. That at the same time, and this is a, the next expedition is Robert Falcon Scott, and uh, oh, so they and, so, so they they knew Scott was on the way. 
they they had heard the new was on the Scott was on the way. I mean, they knew from when they started the Scott was on their way, and they wanted to be faster. And Scott actually finds out that Amundsen is on his way as he's almost reaching the the Antarctica, and uh, and of course he is not very pleased about this uh, because uh, now he has a competitor. Instead of competing against the elements, he competes against Amundsen. What kind of a message and did he leave for Scott? He, do we know that? Yes, we do. Uh, I don't have it here, but uh, it's uh, we can we can have it if we go into details of uh, of the expedition with Amundsen and Scott. Okay. Because, uh, but it, it's um, I think he he asks Scott to give a message to the King of Norway. Ah, I see. As far as as far as I remember, that that they have been there. And then he wishes uh, good luck and uh, like to come back, and and Scott perishes on the way back. I mean, not only Scott because Scott is uh, is traveling together with uh, with three others. Uh, is uh, the team is uh, Scott, Wilson, Oates, Bowers, and Evans. So four others and and Scott. He has four mates and they all perish on the way back. So they reach the South Pole. They reach it on the seventeenth of January. 1912 instead of Amundsen that reached it on the 14th of December 1911. Just a month. Just a month. Uh, just over a month. <laughs> it's uh, really horrible. And then they reach, they find, we know from the diaries that have been found from Scott's uh, diary that he has found Polheim. He has so uh, had the proof that uh, that he had come second, and then they have to come back all the way, and and they actually perish. The uh, big difference that they had here is that Amundsen just needed to reach the South Pole. He had extremely good preparation. He had dogs, and actually he had dogs enough so that they could use the dogs as food for the other dogs and for the humans. Hmm. So, uh, so not only there were depots, but they had also had extra meat uh, to uh, extra food in case they needed to uh, to have uh, to have some something extra. Plus, that they also were really good skiers as well. And uh, and Scott, he uh, he tries to use uh, Shetland ponies, and uh, and and then like most of the of the tour, he takes it just by human uh, traction. Uh, so he has uh, he has a, a different approach to uh, to the travel south, and uh, and it's an approach that uh, that is not it was not winning in any case in that situation. <clears throat> and then he had a lot of other tasks, scientific tasks that he had to accomplish on the way there. There were a condition condition for for giving him the per, the the funding for doing the expedition. So he had to take measures. He had to do a lot of uh, Environmental measures, uh, take samples of rocks and other stuff. So he was also burned and burdened and slowed down by, by the things that he had to do. I see. But the fact is that he arrived second, and he perishes on the way back. And that's it for the South Pole. But uh, there are a few other expeditions that are interesting. But uh, quickly we can go through them before sure. we uh, we leave and. Uh, um, well, we have the famous uh, Shackleton expedition um, with the Endurance, and that's 1914. So a couple of years later, Shackleton uh, mans a ship 
and uh, it's a famous ad that he has in the papers for finding the crew and it's about this uh, perilous journey with uh, very little chance of coming back and uh, like yeah it's it's a fantastic um, yeah, piece of uh, uh, recruitment uh, and he still found <laughs> recruitment ad and he still found people he found, there was a line of people who wanted to go down it's, with it's him, a bit of like course, it's a bit like these days uh, when when people start signing up for the to be the first on mars <laughs> yeah yeah exactly except except that to come back but yeah but but here you had also the uh, the fact that uh, that britain had been defeated by by norway at the south pole so now there was a lot of people that wanted to just to show that uh, in, oh. in britain they wanted to show that they could they could do it anyway they could do something else and this expedition was supposed to cross the antarctica from one side to the other oh wow okay we cannot really say to one corner because it's more or less uh, circular but from one <laughs> From one ocean over across the north, the South Pole over to the to the other coast, and, and they uh, did. No, they didn't. This is a famous expedition with the endurance. The endurance comes down. It is uh, trapped in the ice as they are trying to reach as close as possible to uh, to uh, to the um, to the ice shelf, and it's uh, taken by the ice. And these men they uh, spent. Uh, I think 11 months uh, drifting with endurance and then at one point the the ice actually crashes the endurance and uh, and they have to they have to move on the they they go adrift on on the ice and then they have to uh use uh, some uh, some boats some small boats that they had managed to salvage to uh to go to Elephant Island and then uh, once they reach Elephant Island uh Shackleton and a couple of others uh, they they take one of these small boats and uh, they leave everybody on land on Elephant Island and they sail all the way to South Georgia. They reach the south coast of South Georgia. They have to climb the mountains, come up on the other side where there is a, a whaling station. And finally they give the alarm and then they can go and rescue the rest of the people. And the uh, the funny part about... The funny, the very interesting part about this expedition is, first of all, it's been... Is there is a very good, uh, very good descriptions of it, uh, literature uh, that can be read uh, with great pleasure. Uh, it's not only because they had uh, penguin ovens to uh, to heat things and to cook. Penguin so ovens? ovens where they would take a penguin and put it in instead of putting coal or or wood. Oh, they would use That's penguins as fuel. As fuel, yes, because they are very fat. So they, it's kind of a, an interesting <laughs> wow. approach to do this. But I think that one of the remarkable feats about this is that they managed to do something that is incredible. So like being crashed on the ice, in, in the ice they go adrift, they take everybody on these three crowded small open boats, they go all the way to Elephant Island, and then... There is this very little boat, like a, I think it's about six meter long, open with a sail, and they, they they go over to from Elephant Island, which is almost by the Antarctic Peninsula, over to South Georgia because that's the way where they knew that there were people that could come to a rescue, and that's the way also the wind blows, so they could go that way. They could sail in the ocean without GPS, just with a sextant and a few maps, and <laughs> like managed to get there with no heating or anything at all. Wow. And then they cross. After all this, they managed to climb the mountains of South Georgia, which is which are very pointy. It's like crossing the Alps from one side to the other. You just come up on the top of the mountain, go down, over, and, and alarm the people. And 
nobody died during that expedition. What? Nobody, what? no human life was lost during <sighs> that expedition. Unfortunately, most what of the people story. that were then coming back from this expedition, this is 1914, when they come back, they are recruited or they are volunt- they volunteer over to for the Great War, and uh, a lot of them uh, really uh, perish okay. on the front lines in, in Europe in World War One. <sighs> but uh, that's uh, that's one one interesting story. The next step is somebody to fly over the South Pole. Uh, it's uh, the 29th of November, 1929. A guy called Bird, who is also uh, known for uh, trying to fly over the North Pole uh, with his uh, uh, co-pilot, Balchen. So 29, that, they, that would probably then be in an airplane, right? Yes, that's in an airplane, and they fly over the South Pole. And then... The actual, let's say, I wouldn't say colonization, but the the establishment of permanent bases down in Antarctica happens in the occasion of the International Geophysical Year um, in 56, 57. So it's always like across two years because that's when the summer is like mm-hmm. around Christmas is is the middle of the summer in the in in the south. So during that uh, wind that summer, that Antarctic summer. Then there is the establishment of the Amundsen-Scott base by the South Pole. And, uh, yeah, well, a uh, couple of uh, the last two expeditions that are interesting uh, to mention is that uh, uh, there have been uh, two women who have done, uh, the first two women that have done the uh, reaching the South Pole uh, in an all-woman team uh, do this on the on January 29th of uh, 1989, they reach the South Pole. So Victoria Murden and Shirley Metz, they uh, they come to to be the first women to do this expedition. And then uh, there is the um, the other interesting feat is uh, uh, the first people to reach the South Pole without any mechanical or animal help are Reinhold Messner and uh, Arvid Fuchs. So an Italian and a German. I remember that, this, uh, yep. That in, uh, on December 30, 1989, they reach the South Pole without help from other things other than their skis, their muscles, and a little bit of wind because they have like kites to, to pull themselves. And the fastest trip, if you want to know. Sure. Uh, in 2011, a Norwegian called Christian Eide, he goes from the seashore over to the South Pole in 24 days on skis. Whoa. And that's, uh, imagine 24 days where you're just uh, skiing every mm. day. <laughs> and there is, no, there is no end to the ice and the snow on top of it. In 2011, so he probably had a satellite phone with him. Yeah, he's, like at that time, <laughs> yeah, satellite phone and GPS and, uh, and things. So the security is, of course, uh, quite... Uh, quite something uh, at that time and uh, nowadays of course you cannot do this um, these trips with dogs because dogs have been banned from uh, Antarctica it's very strict there isn't it yeah it's very strict you don't want any uh, biological contamination Uh, visitors to Antarctica have to uh, undergo a um, cleaning of their clothes especially um, there is a special uh, attention that has to be put into the hem of your trousers or the contents of your bags and pockets 
because you might have uh, seeds from plants that are not home to Antarctica. They might uh, might come there, like uh, a friend of like mine was there. for example. <laughs> yeah, a, a friend of mine was there, and I, I've seen I've, I've seen video footage where on the ship they actually vacuumed the inside of the backpacks yes. and everything. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, this is what you have to do, so that you make uh, uh, you you are as uh, as precautionary as possible as not to bring any biological contamination over to Antarctica. Of course, when we go there, we'll take bacteria with us, but uh, you are not allowed to to uh, go to a toilet on land. So you are not allowed to uh, to do. Uh, anything that could leave any bacteria that are extraneous to the place and people that are on the basis on the on the scientific basis there they also have to have some special precautions for because of course they need to go to the toilet like anybody else and uh, they uh, but then they have to sterilize everything that is uh, the discarded and so that, uh, that sounds like like it's almost almost like being on a on a different planet of some sort yeah it's it's a little bit like uh, trying to uh, to uh, not to have uh, or to have as as little an influence on the sure. on the environment as as you can have uh, with be you being there of course well i think yes. now now after this this is an amazing history lesson thank you so much um You're welcome. i think i want to be on I want to go to Antarctica even more now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I want so too as well. well and let's, it's let's just about the it. time to go down there. You can get some last minute tickets, go to Ushuaia and, uh, and there oh, are some last easy. minute tickets, which are, which are, well, if you are in Ushuaia, you can get last minute tickets on, on ships. It's usually like only about 12 hours before the ship leaves the harbor. So you oh, need really? to be ready to go, but uh, you can go there half price. <laughs> So uh, you you you'll be on standby. Yeah. Okay. Well, well let's yes. let's wrap this one up. Um next week we want to talk about uh the Antarctic um again and especially about the Antarctic Treaty. Yes. Um, if if you is does that cover it? Yes, it does cover. All it. right. Let's let's Don't let's, you want to don't you want to announce I think that you also have uh, another podcast that Oh, is, um, yes I do. I do. Thank you for yeah. reminding me. There is a little a little new podcast out there that um the photographers among you might be interested in. It's called The Future of Photography and it's just a, a couple of weeks old but um getting some nice traction. So if you're interested in that, check that one out. We'll put a link in the show notes and if you want to find out more about this episode, uh, about this podcast, uh, our Curiously Porter podcast, which now has 30 episodes already, there are 29 others that you can find over at curiouslyporter.com or pretty much anywhere you find your other podcasts. Until then, take care and stay cool. Stay cool, Chris. Stay cool, Chris.